0: Hello, and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at post office box 761 Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message, and have a very blessed day.
1: ...on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, if it's really you, Bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. That's an important phrase right there. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. A couple of things about this. First of all, it keeps talking about the sea. That's just a, another word. This is actually a lake. It's the Sea of Galilee is what they called it, but it's, a, it's an inland lake, and it's, it's a good thing it's there because of, in all of Israel, for all the water needs they have, for drinking water and and uh, irrigation and everything else comes out of that lake, and and fish also. And uh, it's it's quite a deal. I've been there several times, but uh, I want you to notice this. Uh, Jesus, we're not sure what they were doing there, but they let him off, and he goes up onto a mountain to pray by himself. Sometimes when you pray, you need to be by yourself, amen? And as he went up there, they continued on without him, and suddenly a great storm, rose up and it was pretty scary and then they looked out and they see a figure walking actually walking on this lake walking on the water and it, they're, they're saying is it a ghost is it a spirit what is it and Jesus said no it's, it's me and Peter said if that's really you uh, bid me to come out there with you and Jesus said come everybody look at me sometimes in the storms of your life The only thing missing is you need to get up, get out of the boat, and go. Amen. Sometimes we'll pray, we'll ask God to help us, and then we'll just sit there in in the mire and the yuck. God says, get up and go. That's what he's saying. So Peter got up, threw his leg over the boat, and he began to walk. Now, he was doing just fine. Listen to this. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was just fine. But he stopped, and he looked around. He saw the wind, the word they use is boisterous. The sea is boisterous. The wind is boisterous. It's blowing like crazy. And he took his eyes off Jesus, and when he saw it, listen to this, when he saw his circumstances, he panicked, and he started sinking. Faith leaked out of him, and fear came back into him. Jesus, save me. And you notice that he did. Jesus is always there to save you in the storms of your life. Amen? Let me ask you a question. Do you have courage in every crisis that you go through? Or do you panic? Do you get riled inside of the fears of life? Do you have courage not after the crisis or, the, or before the crisis, but right in the middle of it. You're going to find out in this message today that there's a purpose for storms. Now, the Bible says Jesus does not tempt anyone, but he will test you. And Those, those two words are totally different. You know, you, when you were in school, your teachers would teach you something for three or four weeks or whatever, and then they give you a test to figure out how much you retained and how much you remembered. A test. And that's the reason Jesus allows some of these storms, so you can see your progress. And when you see your progress, your faith begins to, to come together like concrete setting and rising up. And so instead of you constantly walking in fear like you used to do, you walk in, listen to this word, expectancy. Expectancy means I am expecting something good to happen today. Amen? Amen? So walk in courage in the middle of your storm. Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived, but he didn't teach out of books. He used issues, incidents, accidents, and adversities. He is always teaching us. You know why? Because he loves you. It's just that simple. He loves you. Now, Jesus left his disciples alone to themselves and they felt vulnerable. By that time, they had developed a real reliance upon him. And when, you know, Jesus sometimes said things that were puzzling to them. Why would he want to leave us? He knows there's a storm coming and he wants us to let him off on the shore. And he probably didn't even. Maybe he told him, "I'm going to go pray." I don't know what he told him, but he they let him off, and then he tells them, "You guys go on." And so they all kinds of thoughts going on in their mind. Well, when's he when's he going to rejoin us, or how's he going to find us, or how's he going to get where where we're going? And so a little bit of vulnerability and panic begins to set in. We all go through times of feeling alone, and you know what? No. No greater time of feeling alone is there than when you are going through a dark and ugly storm in your life. Could be with one of your kids, could be with your finances, could be with your boss at the job, whatever it is. Maybe you even feel like God himself has forsaken you. You haven't haven't been able to seem to hear his voice in a long time. He told his disciples to go ahead across the lake, and he stayed behind. We all go through times of feeling alone when that happens. You may ask, doesn't he know what I'm going through? Don't you know what I'm going through, God? Now, aren't there times when he appears to be so, so indifferent to what you're going through? He's aloof to your plight. In other words, it seems like he doesn't even care about you. Does it seem sometimes that when you're looking through your uh, hardest times that God seems to be on a mountain somewhere without you and, and he seems to not care what you're going through? i felt that way. Have you felt that way? I even, I, I shared with you once, I got to the point where sometimes I would shake my fist at God. God, don't you even care about me? Don't, can you not hear me when I cry out? You told me I was your son. Where are you when I need you? And, of course, you know what God said to me, John, there's no fault in me. Well, then what's the problem? He said, maybe it's Satan. And then he waited a moment and he said, maybe it's you. We always put ourselves last on the list, don't we? Are you out there? There are storms that the whole church will go through. There are storms that our whole nation will go through. And we as a nation are going through the biggest storm in our history right now. And you know what's at stake? The nation itself. I, I see it slowly falling apart. I see leadership that doesn't seem to care about anything but politics and being famous, and they don't care what's happening. Tens of thousands, even millions of illegal immigrants crossing our borders without permission, uh, going right past all of our laws of immigration. Where, where are they going to go? That last group that was under that bridge, and where is and, uh, it, Del Rio? They just t- took them out somewhere and opened the bus doors and said goodbye and set them free. Where did they go? You got to understand something, how serious this is. Whenever they're, and I, I don't hate them, I love them, I, especially those little children that I see. But when you do that, every person that comes in this country, we are then, uh, we feel obligated to feed them educate them, house them. They don't have any money, you understand what I'm saying? And now we've got the two major parties in America, the Democrats and the Republicans, and they're fighting, we we are in a storm, folks. And I, I, uh, just like the word that you heard a while ago, I feel like the Lord is trying to wake us up and say, look, I told you I was coming. I told you you wouldn't, no one knew the day, but you would know the times. He said, when the, when the, uh, a tree begins to bud, you know that summer is near. And the, can I say to you that there are buds all over the tree. Now, I don't say this to, to make you afraid. A lot of churches don't even preach this stuff because they, they don't want uh, their people to, to be afraid, particularly teenagers. You know, teenagers uh, will say, well, I haven't, I haven't gotten married yet, and I haven't had a family yet. And uh, listen, it won't matter when Jesus comes. You're going to be ecstatically happy whether you got married or not or, or you had children or not. And I'll tell you, the storms that are hardest, they're the isolated storms. That means they're hard to go through because we have to go through those kinds of storms alone. Doesn't seem like there's anyone who wants to help you, anyone who cares about you. Now, you've got to be careful when you walk in that. Everybody look at me. Because the enemy will come and begin to, talk to you about well here's here's a way out have you thought about killing yourself i mean it's pretty serious but after all once you kill yourself all the struggles going to stop the pain's going to stop that's the way the enemy does he's the father of all lies he can't come and hit you in the head he can't trip you and throw you on the concrete he can lie to you and if you hear something that you know listen to me if you know it's contrary to god's word what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to fight back. And that's the problem uh, today in the church. A lot of people have no idea of what spiritual warfare is. These guys in the boat didn't have a clue. Peter, now it's interesting. Peter's the one before they crucified Jesus. He said, Jesus, if they come to get you, they're going to take me too. and Nobody's going to hurt you, and I'm gonna, I'll fight them all. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, before the cock crows, in other words, a rooster crows about dawn, he said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny that you know me tonight three times. Peter was offended. Lord, I would never do that to you. And you know the story. He denied the Lord three times, and the last time he denied him, it says he cursed to get his point across. That blankety-blank guy don't even know him. Now, Fast forward a little bit. Jesus is crucified. He's resurrected, comes back to earth for 30 days or whatever it was. And then when he's getting ready to leave and be taken up into the heavens, he tells them, you go to the upper room, you stay there, I'm going to send you a gift, the Holy Spirit. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And Jesus said, the things I have done, greater things shall these than these shall you do because I go to the Father. So there, here they are in this room. They don't know what he was talking about. What, did he explain to you what it was? And they're full of expectancy. And It wasn't just the 12 disciples. There were 120 men, women, and children in that room. And suddenly a ball of fire appears over their head. It's roiling. That means it's tumbling up by the ceiling. And a tongue or a piece of fire comes down and touches every person in the room. And they are all, everybody say all. They're all baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter was one of those. See, Peter was a big man. You wouldn't want to meet him in an alley. He was a big guy. He was a fearful-looking guy. He was an amazing man. The only problem was, and he did have a problem, he was a coward. Now, notice this story. Suddenly, Peter is growing out of being a coward and learning how to trust Jesus. Amen? You know, all of us have problems we deal with and faults. But if you will just turn yourself over to God, he will slowly take you to a place of power instead of a place of weakness. Amen? Amen? And it all... It's, it is what you do when you are alone that determines how much you've really learned. Never go through anything. If you never go through anything, how will you know if you have any faith at all? Now think about that. Well, I don't want to go through these storms. If you never go through a storm, how will you know if you've progressed? How, how will you know if you have grown in the Lord? We've uh, We've taught faith incorrectly we've taught that if you have great faith you'll never go through anything but if you never go through anything how will you know they're you so uh, we've had some uh, different kinds of uh, Christian religions that have taught that if you're going through something it's because you didn't have any faith have any of you ever been told that listen everybody even the most faithful Kenneth Copeland Kenneth Hagan person in the world goes through stuff you know, I saw Kenneth Copeland not long ago, and a a person from some news agency uh, confronted him in the lobby of his church, and I mean, confronted him, was asking him hard questions, and he just—you could see the color drain out of his face. And I'm not—I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying he's like the rest of us. He didn't know what to say to that person, and I saw him getting angry. I almost saw smoke coming out of his ears, but. That's what I'm talking about. All of us go through things. They're not pleasant, but we go through them. Storms reveal where you are with God. Now, when this storm arose on the Sea of Galilee, it was at night. Remember that. And the disciples were apart. It's bad enough there was a storm. It's bad enough it's out there in a leaky old fishing boat. And it's bad enough that uh, they're not sure they can even get to shore. But it's at night. It's dark. There's lightning flashing and rain's falling, and the only hope they have, where is he? And you know that he's appeared. And it changed everything. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for changing our lives. Periodically, periodically, there will be storms that will not always be the same kind of storms, but there will be strong storms. Some of them will be financial storms, some of them relational storms, some will be emotional storms, some will be unexplainable storms, some will be inward storms. Even when it seems like everything is going great on the outside, the inside of you is in a turmoil. And Just because you have storms doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean you don't believe in God. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or your faith. Amen? You're just a human like the rest of us. In reality, the storms are like a test and they teach you where you are. If through the storms, if it, it's through the storms that you can evaluate your progress in God. You know, uh, I had to learn that the hard way. I thought when I came to the Lord and knelt down and I uh, repented of my sins and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, I thought my, my trials and tribulations were over. Oh, little did I know. They just started. And I questioned God about it. He said, uh, "You know, God." He said, "I remind—I want to remind you of what you asked for. You asked me for certain things. One of them was wisdom." And He said, "You don't just get wisdom; it has to come through experience. And what kind of experience? Storms. And I've told you about—we had a motorhome, and uh, it was seemed to always be broke, and and." Uh, we get ready to go.ing t- I remember one time we were going to Canada, and we were going to be gone two months. This, this motorhome had over three hundred thousand miles on it, and we were going to Canada with a five-month-old baby. And I had uh, it had two gas tanks on it; they were full, and I had twenty-five dollars in my pocket. That's all I had. It was going to be gone two months. Every place we stopped, God met our needs. Every step along the way, went to California first. Up the coast, Oregon. Oh, Oregon's a mess. You need to pray for Oregon. And uh, how many of you been to Oregon? Whew. Anyway, up, t- up to Washington, went into British Columbia, and then uh, went and started toward the east side of Canada. And you know that trip was the least amount of trouble that we had on any trip. I think we lost a uh, a fuel pump. That was the only thing that happened on that trip. And uh, when we went, when I got home, I still didn't have much money, but I I didn't. Uh, I I was not uh, I was still paying my bills I had somebody here in Carlsbad I was sending them money and they would pay our bills for us and uh, we were never late, we never missed any God kept his word in the meantime we had tremendous meetings, people being saved filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit and so forth, it was really a great trip now um no one, this you've got to get this in your heart, no one is exempt from storms. When storms come, do you develop the ability and the tenacity to be able to withstand that storm? Tenacity. You ever thought about that word? Reminds me of a rubber band, tenacity. <laughs> Have you got the strength and the gumption to resist your storm, or do you just give in and say, go ahead and eat me up? That goes back to what I mentioned to you about Uh, warfare. Remember something. When you're fighting the devil and you should be every day you need to learn to use these words. Satan I come against you in Jesus name by the cross and by his blood. I rebuke you. I command you to get out of my life. Get out of my, my wife's life. My children. Get out of our house. Get away from our pets. Get out of our cars and everything that we own and possess. I command it in Jesus name. You throw in that word blood by the blood of Jesus, he runs. He can't stand that word. You know why? The blood of Jesus was so powerful, so powerful. It not only delivered the people of his time and brought them salvation, that same sacrifice on the cross gave salvation to every person that that was already born before he came and every person after him all the way up to today, that wanted to be uh, saved by the Lord and live with him forever. Just that one sacrifice on the cross, that one shedding of blood, that's how powerful it is. And that blood not only saved you, listen to me, by his stripes we were healed. The blood is so powerful. And I want you to remember, remember that when you sense yourself going into some kind of a uh, a battle, just please remember that. Now, there are there are uh, four things
0: that I want to mention
1: to you today, and I'm going to let you go a little early so the guys can go out to the camp and get that all taken care of. There are four main points that I want to get across in this message to you. Number one is the presence of God. They needed the presence of God, and he came. He'll always come. The second one is the provision of God. He not only comes, but he comes, and with him, he has what you need every time. The third thing is the power of God. He is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. That means there's nothing as powerful as he is. And the fourth thing is the purpose of God. Now, let's look at the first one real quick. I want to touch on each of these, and then I'll let you go. Uh, The presence of God. The presence of God is how God reveals himself. Uh, in a storm Uh, they couldn't see him before the storm but in the middle of the storm they saw God in a way that no one had ever seen him before he shows up I mean and and remember I want to share this is very important when you pray learn how to pray a little differently most people when they pray they immediately go to Lord you know what I need I need this and I need that and I'm really needy you guys probably remember as parents when your kids were real little And maybe you got them something for Christmas and they ripped open the box and didn't even thank you, didn't even look at you. They just ran off and you felt like they didn't need me. Listen, God has a heart. When you pray, start out not with your need list, but start out by worshiping him and praising him. Lord, I love you with all of my heart. I worship you. I praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, what happens? He shows up. He shows up. He comes immediately. Now, you've got his attention. Now, you've got his ear. Now, you can present your needs to him. It's true, isn't it? Jehovah Shammah means God is present. And not only that, it means God is always present. These disciples had never seen Jesus like this before because they had never been in this kind of storm before. When you get into a storm God is able to reveal to you various facets of his glory that you couldn't see otherwise. God has allowed some of us to be in a particular storm right now just because he desires to reveal himself to us in a different way. Do you not know, listen, look at me, do you not know that God does love you? Some, a guy walked to me, up to me once right after I got saved, and he said a strange thing, but it blew me away. He said, John, if you'd have been the only person who ever lived, Jesus would have died for you. But that made me feel pretty special. If you'd have been the only person, you, 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 only person who ever lived, Jesus would have died for you. That's how important you are to God. Everybody out there can you say amen? They never saw Jesus like that before. You've never needed him in the way that you need him right now. Sometimes God allows the problem so he can show you his presence in the midst of the problem. And if he didn't allow the problem, then you would never be able to see his presence in the way that you see him right now. Isn't that true? You don't have a testimony until you go through a storm. These people that get up in church or a meeting, and they give you their testimony, what they're really doing is not only telling you how they gave their life to the Lord, but they're telling you about the storms that, that they had to go through to get there. And there were some storms. The devil was trying to fight me and keep me uh, away from the re- reality of what God's message really was. He, uh, he was sending, you know, we were living in loving at the time, and I remember sitting, I was reading my Bible, and for the very first time in my life, I read Mark 16, 17. These signs shall follow who? Them that believe. Who? Any believers in here? Are these signs following you? These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm this, them. Uh, if they, they shall speak in new tongues. And if they're sick, God will heal them. Now, just as I read that, I got a, on the door. So I get up, I go over to the door, open it up, and there's a guy standing out there with a satchel in one hand and a bunch of books under his arm. He was from the Jehovah Witnesses. Now, do you know why he came to my house? Listen to this. You should never let those people in your house if you're not really strong in the Word, because they'll eat you up. He came to my house to tell me what the Bible really means. And he was standing out there, and before he could say anything, I said, Hallelujah, and I flung the door open, and I grabbed him and drug him in the house, sat down here on the couch, and I said, and I had my Bible in the other hand, I said, look here, look at this scripture. I just read it for the first time, and I read him that scripture, and he started clearing his throat, and he had a tie on, and he was, he, he was very twitchy and, and, and nervous. And when I got through, I said, what do you think of that? Isn't that wonderful? And you, he said, we don't really believe that down at my church. And then he got up and left. You know why? Because I was telling him what the Bible really meant, and he didn't want to hear it. That man was hung up in a cult. A cult. Let me give you the definition of a cult. It's any group, listen to me, any group that does not believe in the divinity of Christ or the trinity. Now, and and they usually are far out there. Some of them have rewritten the Bible to suit their own needs, including Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. And uh, that's why you've got to be careful. Amen? So sometimes, anytime God wants to reveal himself, he may do it in different ways. He may reveal himself, his omniscience. Omniscience means he knows everything. He knew you before the foundation of the world. And then there's omnipotence that I mentioned earlier. All power. He's all powerful. And then omnipresence. God is the only entity that is able to be everywhere at the same time. Amen. So, I want to read, uh, go to, if you would, uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Who'd they overcome? Who'd they overcome? Who? Oh, come on. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Who did they overcome? Satan. And by the word, so two things, the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You know, you can tell people what you believe, doctrinally, and they can disagree with it. But nobody, listen, nobody can disagree with your testimony. Why? Because that's your testimony. It happened to you. And they can they can say, well, I just don't believe that all they want, but it doesn't make any difference. It happened to you, and you believe it. That's your testimony. Never forget that. Please, please, please. So Jesus comes not in the first watch of the night, not when you first get into trouble, not when things first go black, but when you're in the deepest part of the night, when you're at that point when you think, I just can't take this anymore, he has a way of showing up right in the nick of time. It's the presence of God. I, re- I remember times Liz and I were on the road, and we'd run out of money, and we didn't have any other meetings. I've had people walk up to me that I didn't, I've never seen them in my life and I said, I don't know who you are, but God told me to give you this. Open an envelope, and there's 100 bucks in there. It's happened to me frequently. God knows how to bless you and get you where you need to go. So the presence of God alone should be enough for you to deal with the crisis. It should be. And the moment God reveals himself to you, that should calm every fear. But sometimes it doesn't, does it? When Jesus first appeared on the water and said, fear not, it is I, that should have settled the whole issue. In fact, he said, be of good cheer. In other words, don't worry about this boisterous wind and sea and waves and your leaky boat. It's me. I'm here. Be of good cheer. He was walking on the water, folks. Can you get a hold of that? My goodness. Walking on the water. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. The word cheer that I just mentioned in the Greek means to take courage. In other words, God wants you to be encouraged in the middle of, uh, of whatever crisis you're going through. And not because of the condition of the crisis, but because God has told you, I'm here. That should settle the problem. How many of you have ever seen Jesus? I mean, like you're looking at me now. Probably none of you. And God's requiring you to believe in someone you've never seen who died 2,000 years ago, and you're, you're required to believe in him that, that he can save you and take you to a place called heaven and you can live there for eternity. He's asking a lot of you. The sooner you come face to face with the truth of who Jesus was and who he is, the sooner you will... Safely meld yourself into his faith. And you'll find a lot of things happening that are good. Your your cheer level will rise. Your joy level will rise. Uh, Romans 8.31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. I mean, what storm, what lightning, what thunder... What decadence, what depravity, what calamity, what disorder can be against you if God's for you? Amen? What tumor, what cancer, what emotional upset can be against you if God's for you? One of the worst words in the English language that everybody hates and doesn't want to hear it is the word cancer. Isn't that true? Because quite honestly, we've made a little progress in research to eradicate cancer. But we haven't gotten it all, have we? Somebody says, Cancer, what do you immediately think? I'm going to die. Well, we all have to die. What boss, what company, what job, what credit report, if God's for you, who can be against you? What hex, what curse, what demon, what wizard, what soothsayer, what authority, if God is for you, who could be against you? Now, the second that one that we looked at was called provision. It was in the presence of God where Peter learned about the provision of God. Jesus showed up, but he also provided. A way. Think about that. Peter threw his leg out over the boat. And he, Jesus is right there, and he's looking at him, throws his leg out, and he, he feels the water on his foot, and he steps, and it's hard. It's like there's a sidewalk right three inches under the water. Probably, he's probably smiled a little bit. And, and Jesus is right there, and he, he throws the other leg out, and he's, he's standing on, on the water. And he's got his eyes on Jesus. And then all of a sudden, there's a clap of thunder, boom, and lightning, wah, And he looks around, and you know what he says? Listen to this. Here's what he said to himself. I can't be doing this. And he was right. He can't be doing this, but Jesus in him can. Jesus not only showed up, he provided everything Peter need needed to walk on a solid foundation in that water. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. Now, he didn't see. He, he, see, your faith doesn't just automatically disappear. It ebbs away from you. And so when it says he started sinking, he, he slowly started going down in the water. If, if you and I got out of a boat with no sidewalk, what would happen? You'd immediately go underwater. But he slowly started saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus walked over to him and took his hand and pulled him up out of it. He's got the provision that we need. You'll never see God show up with presence and not bring provision. He doesn't just come to entertain you. He always comes with provision to meet your need. Do you need water? He is the water. Do you need, you don't have any meat? He becomes the quail. That's what happened to the Hebrews in the desert. Forty years. And why? Because they refused to walk in faith, and they were walking in doubt and unbelief, and your mouth is what gets you in trouble. Your most unruly member. If they could only have learned their lesson, it would have been so much, so much better for them. So much better for them. Now, whatever, wherever God's presence is, there will always be provision. I said that. He said the word, come. With one word, Jesus went from pres- presence to provision. Come, get out of the boat. And Peter, but listen, he didn't go over there and pry Peter out of the boat and throw him o- over the side. Peter had to get out of the boat on his own. There were two reasons for that. He had to step out on faith in what Jesus said. Uh, he had to get away from the doubters. Those other guys in the boat were—they—they were, they didn't want to walk on water. They still thought he was a ghost or some spirit. They, he had, Peter had to get away from them. So you got to—you got to make a choice of faith. You got to get away from the doubters. You know, when Jesus went to a house where there was a little girl that had died, uh, when he got there, there were the mourners out in front. Back in those days, you could hire. You could hire mourners to come. They might not even know you're the person that died, but you give them money and they come to your house and and scream and holler and cry, and then everybody would think you you were somebody important. When Jesus got there, what the, what's the first thing he did? He threw everybody out of the house. He got all of the unbelievers out. He went into that room, and he raised raised her from the dead. Sometimes you've got to get away from people that are. They mean well sometimes. Oh, now do you? My own mother. One day, she uh, she saw me walking in in the supernatural and things. She said, she didn't say it to me. She said it to my brother. She said, when is John going to make friends with his religion, whatever that meant? But she didn't understand it. She thought she was on solid ground, but she wasn't. And she was trying to pull me back to where she was. Thank God. I was able to minister to her after that. She gave her life to the Lord on her deathbed. I thank God for that. I really do. That's a real blessing to me. So we go from shouting about his presence to walking in his provision. There will all there will come a time when you have to go from shouting to walking. Galatians 3:11 but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. You're not going to go up to somebody who's ill and say, now according to the Ten Commandments, law number seven, I command you to be healed. No, it's a faith thing. What is faith? Believing in something that you can't see before you get it. Not only believing in it, but believing that you have it. That blows a lot of people's minds. Romans 1.17 For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith. Amen. Praise you Lord Jesus. And then Hebrews 10.38 Now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Listen to this carefully. Every storm has a corresponding miracle. I don't care what you're going through. If you can believe God, he'll make that storm into a miracle. I don't know how many people that I've counseled and ministered to over the years that had maybe a child, that a teenager, 13, 14 years old, and they, they had suddenly found themselves on drugs, and they couldn't get off, and the parents were beside themselves in a storm. What do we do? And the more they try to talk to the young man or young girl, the worse it seems to get. But when they calm down and rest in the Lord and start believing Him, the miracle comes. The miracle comes. Amen? Every financial problem has a corresponding miracle. Your only problem is you need an opportunity for God to show you how powerful He really is. Oh, God, how powerful you are. You're such a good God. Every day we need to rise up out of our beds and walk in the provision of God. Satan will come and say to you, You're down and out. No way out for you. But God says you're walking in the promise. Others will intimidate you, they'll just say, You're nuts. (laughs) I lost count of the number of people that said, Thought I was nuts. Some of my friends in high school found out that I'd become a Christian. Are you nuts? and uh, tried to talk me out of it because those are the people I used to go out in the desert and we'd get drunk and have a big bonfire and do other things I won't mention. And they thought, what's what's wrong with him? Well, it wasn't anything wrong. It was God trying to pull me towards him. Jesus, Walking in the provision of God means that what you're doing makes no sense. When you're walking like this, you don't understand how you're doing it. And so when you're walking in God's provision, there is always the problem of walking between your spirituality and your sensuality. That's your flesh. As long as you continue in your spirituality, God's provision will remain. But the minute you cross over and and decide you're going to go back into the flesh, you're in trouble. Now, nobody walks in the spirit without a little bit of fluctuation. But God still loves you, and he will save you just like he did Peter. Don't ever forget that. Walking one moment, sinking the next. Most people, but i got to tell you, I'm a little proud of Peter uh, because of one thing. At least he got out of the boat. Most people just stay in the boat. While God is preaching of his provision, the devil is preaching, well, well, what if? What if? Well, let me ask you, what if? You know God's got the answer to every potential problem. He really does. Well, what if somebody's looking at me? I can't get out of the boat because I'm sure I'm going to sink. and it be safer for me to just sit here in the boat and cover my head with a, a blanket? And what if, what if my enemies start laughing at me? All right, let's go to number three. We're almost done here. Power power is number three. It wasn't just the presence of God or just the provision of God. Then the devil might be able to get away with with his what-if sermon. But because if you walk out there and you do start going down and you fail to be spiritual enough to maintain the provision of God, what if your faith does fluctuate? What if? In your humanity, it it kicks up in a bad time. What if the ghost of your past rises up to haunt you? What if you do have a breakdown? What if you don't? What if, what if, what if, what if? It's God's power. God will always be there, and he will always save you. Look at, I'm, I'm closing. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known... Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching for his understanding. He gives power to the faith, uh, to the faithful, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Wow, God's power is undeserved power. Everybody, look at me. You don't deserve quote unquote anything from God. He gives it to you out of His goodness. He loves you. and if you've been a parent, you know how much you loved your children. You'd do almost anything for them. It's the way God is with you. Everybody in this room is either a son or a daughter of God. And He doesn't take that lightly. Amen? It is a power that we don't have any right to have. But even when you're, you've been looking at your problems more than Him, He still offers up His power for your rescue. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. That's Psalm 37, verse 23. And the last one was purpose. Purpose. God has a purpose for every storm. All things work together for good to them who love the lord and are called according to his purpose let's pray father thank you for today <clears throat> thank you for this church we've been struggling we we tell you we admit that but you're a good god and it's a storm we've have a, we have a storm right here in the church this covid thing is has been ruthless but right now we take authority over it's just a name COVID you're just a name we command you to leave by the blood of Jesus and don't come back Father bless uh, all of the ladies out at the camp I pray that every one of them will be so blessed when they get home that the whole family will notice it Father we pray for our church that it will grow and prosper in you as we go today help us to go with you in Jesus' name, everybody say it. Love on somebody before you go, will you? We love you.
0: This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter dot com forward slash giving your gift is tax deductible please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of jesus christ all across the globe may the lord richly bless you